Hey, writers, join our first draft weekly writers club. We meet every Tuesday from 12 to 1 Eastern time. For more information, go to writingclassradio.com and click on the classes tab. This is Writing Class Radio. I'm Andrea Askowitz, your host and your teacher. In today's episode, we're talking about writing humor. So I told this joke to my colleagues, Allison and Diego. Here it is. Why did the chicken cross the road? To get to the other side. No, to get to your house. Knock, knock. Who's there? The chicken! Okay, see, that is so (laughs) stupid. I'll tell you why it's funny. The joke isn't funny, it's the the action. The joke teller's going to tell me why it's funny. So Allison just said, oh please, the joke teller is going to tell us why it's funny. Typically Allison's right. If the joke teller has to explain our joke, it's probably not funny. But I think my colleagues are being a little hard on the chicken. And so for the purposes of this show, in which we're going to explore how to write humor, this joke deserves explaining. you why it's funny. One, because you're totally surprised when I say the chicken. Not really. But, no. I wasn't surprised, no. No, no, we weren't. When I said, who's there? I figured, wait a minute, if you're using one joke device and then using one right after, wouldn't it be to link it together? You were expecting me to say the chicken. I kind of was. Once I said it, you were like, yeah, I know, right. But you weren't expecting it. That's why that joke is genius. You can't use (laughs) genius and that joke in the same line. No, you know what? Scrap that. Do not tell a joke. No. Scrap Let's it. use that joke at the beginning of the no. top. No, no, no. Top of the episode. The joke itself isn't funny. It's it's the delivery. It's the like it's the silliness of it no. that makes it remotely no, no, funny. No, 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 no. It's funny because it has that element of surprise and recognition. It is actually like as if you were a joke scholar, as I am. Mm. Let us call our expert Jay Wexler and ask him. We at Writing Class Radio have a humor expert. His name is Jay Wexler. Jay is an attorney, super funny profession, and the author of five books. You can find his books at jaywex.com, and you'll want to after you hear how funny he is. I met Jay at the Sanibel Island Writers Conference where he teaches humor writing. Later in the show, we will bring you Jay Wexler's 10 suggestions for funny writing. I added four. Together, we have 14 suggestions on how you can be a funny writer, or how you can write funny. Okay, we have Jay Wexler on the line, humor expert, our humor expert. Okay, so what we want from you is I'm going to tell you a joke, and you're going to tell us if you think it's funny. Okay, this is exciting. Don't you think we'll know by his reaction whether he thinks it's funny? But I want him to analyze it as a as a joke, as a joker. And don't hold back. Yeah, don't hold back. Yeah, tell us the truth, like whatever you think. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Um. Right. Now I'm nervous suddenly. <laughs> knock knock. No, sorry. Start over. <laughs> totally fucked it up. <laughs> Okay, 
but I didn't mess up the joke yet. I just, I messed up out of order. Okay. Why did the chicken cross the road? I don't know. Why did the chicken cross the road? To get to your house. Knock, knock. Who's there? The chicken! <laughs> I like it. I think it's pretty funny. Genius. It's, uh, Genius. It's surprising. It's surprising because you, um, you don't realize that, it, that, that, that you've switched persons, right? That, you, that you've moved from, from third person to first person. And so you expect, right, some sec- some other third-person question about the chicken. But then you are the chicken. And it's, it's, uh, I thought it was, I thought it, ca- it caught me off guard, and it made me laugh. And I am uh, wholly in approval of this joke. Allison's rolling her eyes because I so nailed this. <laughs> <laughs> why does Allison hate, why does, what does Allison dislike about the joke? She's vegan. I think she doesn't like it because I told it, and, and I think it's okay. hilarious. Perhaps you should get somebody else to tell it to her and see if she laughs. That's true. Hey, do you want to tell it to her and see how it goes? Knock, knock. Who's there? <laughs> no, you messed it up. Thank you, Jay Wexler. You yeah, are welcome. so funny. Anytime. Anytime. I'm here on the hotline, the humor hotline. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. Bye. 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 Did Jay mess up the joke on purpose like I did? I think so. That was funny. Flying fortress of plastic dreams. Red pen canvas is fire. The purpose of Writing Class Radio is to connect with people who love stories and who get inspired by hearing other people tell their stories and who want to learn a little bit about how to write their own stories. This is episode eight of our first semester. In our last episode, a bonus for New Year's Eve, we introduced some new students who you will get to know better in our next semester. And I revealed the unknown and often misunderstood story behind that song we all hear at midnight, Old Lang Syne. In episode seven, we talked about story structure and how structure is sexy. Today, we're talking about humor, which, if you ask me, is also sexy. I know we said that in this episode, we'd be bringing you Bo and how Bo got blocked from a 1-900 gay chat line. That happened 23 years ago when Bo first moved to Miami Beach. So last week we went back to Miami Beach with Bo and asked him some questions about who he was then and who he is now. We uncovered a lot and need more time to bring you the whole story. You'll hear that in our second semester. Instead, this episode is about humor. I'm hesitant to tell you the story you're about to hear is funny because one critical element in humor is surprise. And if you know the story is funny, then you're not going to be surprised. This is actually why stand-up comedy is so, so difficult, because the audience is expecting funny. I think telling a story that's funny is easier for this reason. Sometimes a story is funny despite itself, or because the narrator is not obviously trying to be funny. This is the type of humor you're about to experience unexpected funny. 
so pretend I didn't tell you. I've heard writing teachers say that dissecting humor kills it, like dissecting a frog. I don't care. I love dissecting humor. So we're doing it with funny guy Jay Wexler. The story in today's episode started as a prompt in class. Then it was worked on at home. A longer version was then workshopped in class. Then the story was further edited for lip service, a night of true stories out loud, where eight people read their story in front of a live audience. Before we share Terry's story, we want you to get to know a little bit about her. Terry DeMeo is a longtime student of mine. In response to the prompt, who are you? Terry wrote this paragraph. I wanted a job at the public defender's office, but they wouldn't hire me because I was a woman. So I became a prosecutor. Bill Phillips was my opposing counsel. One day I bumped into him on the weekend. I was in my weekend wear, which at the time was a pair of jeans and a revealing tank top. My wavy hair, which was waist long at the time, was hanging loose, not like I wore it during the week when we were in court and it was pinned up in a bun on the back of my head. I think we were talking about hanging out in Key West, the place full of hippies, bohemians, rebels, and bikers. Yeah, you'd fit right in there, Terry, he said, because you're such a chameleon. A chameleon? He nailed something about me that still bugs me today. Who the hell am I? The writer digging deeper and deeper into pools of hurt and pain, insecurities and doubts, willing to expose herself for reasons she doesn't really understand. The soft, creamy-voiced life coach, fiery former lawyer, a, felony, a feminist telling people like Bill Phillips to go fuck themselves. The story Terry tells next is about undying her hair, but you'll realize, as she realizes, that the story is about much more than hair. She told her story in front of a live audience in Miami. While there were plenty of people in that audience over 40 years old, I don't think anyone there lets their hair go gray, except for me. Her story is called Fifty Shades of Gray. I eat organic veggies, drink purified water, and sit for three hours every month with my head covered in a noxious, expensive chemical sludge. It leaves the back of my head sore and itchy. I do it to keep my hair dark brown. About a week after each salon visit, gray roots pop out. Then it's a matter of creative hairstyling and pretending that it doesn't show until my next appointment. I found my first gray hair when I was 13. At 30, I began experimenting with temporary color. In the case of hair, temporary color is a gateway drug to harder substances. <laughs> By 40, I was hooked on permanent color laced with ammonia and peroxide. 
Now, preparation for every vacation, every important social occasion, every public appearance includes scheduling a hair coloring appointment. After 25 years, I'm sick of it. I'm thinking about letting my hair go gray. <laughs> Countless stylists have told me to forget it. They say I'll look old. They say gray hair is ugly. They say I'll have to tolerate an ever-expanding gray stripe down the middle of my head as it grows out. My hair colorist, Maria, says she can't lighten my hair enough to match the gray. If she even tried, it would dry up and break off. What does she suggest? A pixie haircut. A pixie? I'm five feet nine inches tall. <laughs> Nothing about me is pixie. A few months ago, while shopping in Nordstrom, I saw an elegant saleswoman with shoulder-length silver hair. She was stunning. After stalking her for 15 minutes, <laughs> I asked her how she did it. She said, don't touch the roots. Just get blonde highlights and let the gray come in. You'll love the freedom. So I went to Maria and told her my plan. Maria rolled her eyes and said, okay, but you're not going to like it. I already didn't like it. A half inch had grown out, and it took a ton of hair mascara to hide it. I said, Maria, if we can put cameras on Mars, why can't we make my hair silver without damaging it? Maria sighed and said nothing. She's heard this before. As the bleach did its dirty work, I sat fuming. You have me where you want me, don't you, Maria? $150 every month, a lifelong annuity. No wonder hairdressers don't invent something. Why should they? I'm the victim of a massive fucking conspiracy. When Maria finished, I had a shower of gold highlights separated by an inch-wide silver stripe down the middle of my head. I couldn't cover the stripe because I forgot my hair mascara. Salons, of course, don't carry it. I hurried through the elegant marble lobby and slunk into my car. I searched the internet for help and joined a password-protected support group <laughs> called the Silver Sisters. The sisters call the process of letting your hair go natural the transition. <laughs> Sometimes in transition, hair fades to a blonde orange when it oxidizes. They call that color blorange. <laughs> the emerging gray hair, the skunk stripe.
women post photos of their skunk stripes and monitor their transitions like AA members track sobriety. A woman with half gray, half brown hair posts, I'm seven months into transition. (laughs) The others cheer, go, sister, go. (laughs) They use lots of exclamation points. (laughs) Hair grows half an inch a month. My hair is 13 inches long. Two years to go. I did more research and bought any product that might help. I tried silver hairspray. I grabbed a small chunk of hair, took aim, and squirted silver straight into my eye. (laughs) It hurt like hell and I cried, but I kept spraying until I hit my hair. (laughs) A half hour later, I looked like the Tin Man. It took 15 minutes more to scrub the silver off my hands and face. I inhaled enough silver to coat the insides of my lungs. And as soon as I brushed my hair, it all came off. I went to a wig shop. I asked to try on a gray wig just to see what it looked like. The elderly owner said, I don't carry gray. It's ugly. (laughs) I called Maria for an appointment and set it three weeks away. I hope to find a solution in the meantime. Now, four months into my transition, I check the mirror a lot and remeasure the new growth with the measuring tape I now keep on the bathroom shelf. If I see a beautiful woman with silver hair, I think, yes, I'm going for it. Then I see Chrissy Hind, fierce, with black punk bangs, and I think, there's no way I'm going gray. But Allie McGraw has let her hair go gray. Okay, me too. Yet Gloria Steinem, the grandest feminist of all, is still coloring her hair at 81. So why shouldn't I? I remember how strong I used to be. I went to law school when women were expected to get married and start families. I gave speeches in favor of the Equal Rights Amendment, filed lawsuits against companies who fired pregnant workers, and argued cases to allow women to control their bodies. Now, I'm an indecisive wuss. At first, I thought my discomfort was about looking bad during the transition, but it's really about more than that. I hate to admit it, but it's about aging. My friends with gray hair say that while they love the freedom, people look right past them as if they're invisible. I don't want to be invisible. I want to be seen and heard. I'm single. I date. I work with younger people. I run workshops and give speeches. I have things to say. If my hair color changes, 
What else will change? What assumptions will people make about me? What am I giving up? I'm not sure I want to find out. Now, when I pull my hair back, I can see a two-inch, almost white halo around my face. It's shocking. I'm no longer the brunette I've been all my life. It doesn't look like me. Maybe the monthly salon visits aren't so bad. But that person in the mirror is me. That is who I am now. I realize that the main place I'm disempowered is inside my own head. In the last few weeks, my women friends have stopped telling me I'm crazy. They're rooting for me to go through with it, I think, because we all know we're capitulating to an ineffable, silly bondage. Like any junkie, I have good days and bad days, (laughs) highs and lows. I make and break appointments with Maria as I flip-flop with indecision. (laughs) Today, I sat at my kitchen table, nibbling on a stalk of celery. Organic, of course. I twirled a strand of hair between my fingers and looked out the window. I picked up the phone and dialed a familiar number. When it answered, I said, Hi, I need to cancel an appointment with Maria. So now I'm wondering, why is this story funny? Terry's story is about aging. It's about losing her place in society. Funny topic. Not on the surface, but obviously there's something funny there. I spoke to Jay Wexler, who knows a good joke when he hears it. Jay teaches humor writing at the Sanibel Island Writers Conference, one of the best conferences I've ever been to, by the way. I teach there along with a lineup of writers so accomplished I can't really believe I get to teach next to them. Sanibel Writers Conference happens every year in November in Sanibel Island, Florida. So in addition to loving the classes, you will love the beach. You should go. Google Sanibel Writers Conference. Before we get to Jay Wexler, let's hear a word from our sponsor. Here are Jay's 10 suggestions for writing humor and whether or not Terry followed them. Number one, don't start with a joke. Unless you're a podcast and your show is about humor. Terry started with who she is, health-conscious person who eats organic vegetables, and in contrast, sits for three hours every month with her head covered in a noxious chemical sludge. Not a joke. That's a good start. Uh, The second point is to piggyback on the absurd hilarity of the world. Uh, If you write nonfiction and you look around carefully uh, at, uh, at interesting... Uh, places, you will realize quite quickly how funny things are. Uh, so one thing I recommend is if you want, just want to write a funny piece, go somewhere strange, go there and observe it closely. Terry goes to a hair salon where people sit for three hours with their heads covered in a noxious chemical sludge. Totally strange. She also goes to a place emotionally that's pretty strange, even if it's also totally common. Denial. 
She pretends every month that the gray doesn't show. Uh, number three, and this is important for me. It's not as important for, anybody, for everybody, but I think that self-deprecation goes a long way. Uh, for the one, for, on the one hand, I think it helps you in, uh, endear yourself to readers, makes you uh, more approachable as a writer if you are not as serious about yourself. Um, and the second thing about that is it lets you make fun of other people uh, and kind of uh, get out of the charge that you're a mean person. So if you make fun of yourself, you can make fun of other people. And then when somebody says, why did you make fun of them? You say, I make fun of everybody. I made fun of myself. Terry's making fun of the whole hair dye industry and everyone who succumbs. But she's making fun of herself the most. She says, I remember how strong I used to be. Now I'm an indecisive wuss. And so we love her because she's just as vulnerable and just as flawed as the rest of us. Uh, fourth is, if you're stuck, consider breaking into a non-prose element like a list or a chart, a picture, or a play. Something to, uh, to, to sort of knock you out of your, um, your rut. Okay, so Terry didn't break into a non-prose element. There are no charts or pictures in her story, which in my opinion was a good editorial call for this story. Sometimes I like to break into song when the story lends itself to song and when I'm performing a story out loud. But that's not always funny. Number five is write about sex, but if you're going to write about it, make it bad sex, or at least awkward sex, because good sex is not funny. It's good, but not funny. But awkward sex is almost always funny. And this is related to point number six, uh, which is to mine your pain and humiliation. Mine your pain and humiliation, because there's really no greater source of hilarity as well as catharsis as a writer, than digging into your own unbearable memories and then putting them into writing. Terry does what I think is the most important point in writing humor. She goes deep. She gets serious. She minds her pain. Terry didn't set out to write a funny piece. She just kept digging and editing, and what she discovered was that this piece isn't about hair. It's about fear. Turns out a story about fear is funny to people. I say this because I've heard a lot of people complain about not being funny. You don't have to be a clown to be funny. Sometimes you just have to face your fears. There's a German word, Schadenfreude, which means taking pleasure in someone else's pain. It's a psychological response. We can't help it. Also, like Jay says, putting our pain on paper is cathartic, so we might as well use it for humor. Uh, number seven, when in doubt, deadpan. It's oftentimes being, uh, oftentimes less is better than more. Um, that if you try to be outrageous, try to be super funny, that there's a better chance of failing. So if you uh, underplay your hand, you probably are just almost as likely as to get the laughs, and you're less likely to make people think that you are trying too hard. The sisters call the process of letting your hair go natural the transition. Terry says that totally deadpan. Then she says, sometimes in transition, hair fades to a blonde orange when it oxidizes. They call that color blorange. Blorange, that is so funny to me. Terry just says it like it is. She probably thinks the whole mess is outrageous, but she doesn't overplay her hand. And this is related to number eight, which is that you need to be brutal when you're editing out bad humor. Uh, 
it's inevitable if you're writing humor, you're trying to write funny stuff, that you're going to make all sorts of uh, failed attempts. You're going to write stuff that's not funny. And that's totally fine. Everybody does that. The funniest comedians do that. But if you're writing uh, and you're going to publish something, you've got to get rid of those things because they, 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 they will undermine your good jokes if you leave them in. Uh, what I like to say is that uh, writing, keeping in a bad joke is not like uh, getting a question wrong on a standardized test. There is a penalty for making a bad joke, and that is it, it hurts your credibility and it, get, and it makes your good jokes seem less funny. So be brutal. So you're only as funny as your worst joke. Luckily, Terry has no bad jokes. That's because she was brutal in the editing. Uh, number nine is if you don't feel funny, get your ass out of the chair. Get your ass out of the chair is funny advice because it's totally unexpected. Every other writer I've ever taken a class with or read their how to write book says, get your ass in the chair. But Jay says, get out. I'm out. And then finally, last but not least, add an animal. The chicken! I would add a few other points. 11. State the obvious. Stating the obvious or stating something everyone recognizes is so satisfying and so funny. I'm part of a fucking conspiracy. The audience is like, yep, I recognize that conspiracy. 12. Use callbacks. A callback is also another way to give an audience or reader the satisfaction of recognition. At the beginning of her story, Terry sets up the idea that temporary color is a gateway drug to harder substances. Then at the end, she brings back that idea. Like any junkie, I have good days and bad days, highs and lows. We're like, yes, dying hair is like using drugs. 13. Land on the joke. What sticks in the mind of the reader or listener is the last word, the last sentence, the last paragraph. Let your joke land. And if you're telling the story out loud, pause for a second to let the joke sink in. So now I'm going to rearrange one of Terry's funny lines and show you how unfunny I can make it, then show you how Terry said it funnier. Here goes. The skunk stripe is the emerging gray hair. Not so funny. The emerging gray hair, the skunk stripe. Funny. 14. Create surprise. Maybe that's why animals are funny. They're surprising. The chicken! Between Jay and me, we have 14 suggestions for writing humor. You can try them at home. If you live in or near Miami, we have a class at Books and Books in Coral Gables on January 23rd, 2016. Class starts at 10, ends at 1. If you liked learning 14 suggestions for humor writing, You'll like my 11 suggestions for memoir writing. Just $75 and you get a free class and a free Michael Roger decomposition notebook. The most beautiful tree-free notebook ever made. I don't know about you, but I write funnier in a kick-ass notebook. To sign up, go to our website, writingclassradio.com. A story you write in class may end up on our podcast. If you're hearing this episode after January 23rd, 2016, don't panic. We'll be offering more writing workshops like this one open to the public for sure. 
Check our website for dates, writingclassradio.com. Okay, here's your assignment. Set a timer for eight minutes. Eight minutes, that's it. You will be amazed at what you unearth in just eight minutes. All I ask is that you write without stopping. Keep your pen moving or your fingers tapping. Also, follow your mind. Just go where it takes you. The thing about the prompts is they are just meant to get you started. If what you write has nothing to do with the prompt, that's okay. There's no wrong way to do a prompt. When the timer goes off, stop. Then read what you wrote into your voice memo on your phone and email it to us at info at Some of your stories will get workshopped in class and end up right here on our show. Here's the prompt. Write about a time something painful happened. Coming up in the next episode, we're going back to an issue we've touched on in previous episodes and one that comes up often for all artists. What do we have to lose in telling our stories? Flying fortress of plastic dreams Red pen canvas is fire It seems Writing Class Radio is produced by Diego Saldana Rojas, Allison Langer, and me, Andrea Askowitz, with editorial help from Toby Ash and Wendy Pomerantz. Writing Class Radio is recorded at the University of Miami School of Communication. This episode of Writing Class Radio is sponsored by Brain Buzz. I like thinking about the brain all day. Writing Class Radio is also sponsored by the podcast Israel Story. Their live show is coming to Miami February 16th. Click on Israel Story on our website for tickets. All I know is good. If you like our show, there's something I need you to do. Go to iTunes and subscribe. If you're feeling extra generous while you're there, please rate and review us. If you already subscribe, awesome. I know it's a little bit of a pain in the ass, but the more reviews and ratings we have, the higher our iTunes ranking. The higher our iTunes ranking, the more people hear us. The more people who hear us, the higher we can sell our ads for. And the higher we can sell our ads for, the longer we can create the show. So please take a moment and go to iTunes. Thank you. And there's more writing class on our website, writingclassradio.com. Study the stories we study. Listen to our craft talks where we have the whole unedited interview with Jay Wexler. We've also included the Ten Commandments of Humor, except there's 14. Follow our daily prompts and time yourself. Then record what you wrote and send it in. Go for it. There's no better way to understand ourselves and each other than by writing and sharing our stories. Everyone has a story. What's yours? What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's Take This Outside, a new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. 
Let's Take This Outside. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at ivisonvoice.com slash podcast.